Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari behind the wheels of steel, your boy Q, rocking with you till 5 o'clock. And we got Ari behind the wheels of steel. And on the phone lines, we have our good friend Ari Mayrov from 33team.com at my sports update on Twitter. And Ari, thanks so much for your time. It's always great to catch up with you, my man. And you heard the hard knocks theme as we came into this second hour of the show. And as of right now, July 6, 2023, there is no team that has been announced to be on hard knocks. Is this going to happen anytime soon? I mean, it has to, right? I mean, they have to make an announcement at some point. Um, you know, there are four teams that could be forced on. The league prefers not to force anybody, but so far, clearly, because we don't have an announcement, no team has stepped up to either do it voluntarily or one of those four teams say, you know what, we'll just do it. We've heard the Jets and Robert Sala basically say we've had enough chaos and noise this offseason. We want to go into the season without um, more stuff going on into training camp, but they are one of those four teams along with Washington, New Orleans, and Chicago. Now, I wouldn't rule out Washington in all of this. They haven't really come out and said that they don't want to be on it, and frankly, it might be a good thing for them with the new ownership coming in, um, which will likely be approved later this month. Show off the new ownership. Show off that we're no longer dysfunctional. um, Make it clear that... um, we have a quarterback competition, which, of course, Hard Knocks likes. There's some Chase Young stuff going on over there. Brian Robinson was shot last year and still played and had a great rookie year. That's a good story to tell over. So I could see it at end up being Washington after all is said and done. But um, the Jets are definitely the one team everyone is keeping an eye on to see if they end up being forced to do this thing. You know, there was a time, especially I remember when the Raiders were on hard knocks that people were talking about, I think I mentioned it multiple times as well, it's like, yeah, I probably don't need those distractions. Those cameras don't need to be around training camp. And so many people were like, come on, cameras, you're going to be affected by cameras? Not a big deal. If you can't do that, you probably can't play an NFL season. But is the reality of it is that these coaches just don't want the distractions? I mean, I've spoken to people to teams, uh, people within teams who have been on the show in previous years, the idea that it's a distraction is a bit overblown, especially because, and I don't know how many people know this, the teams get to see before um, it goes on HBO what's going to be on there, and they have the right to say, hey, don't put that in there. So, you know, it's not as much of a distraction the way people make it out to be, but coaches and executives would prefer to just do their work without having to see camera people around them all the time. And speaking like a team for the Jets, I mean, there's so much hype and excitement going on around there. I was talking to one of their people recently, like they had over 60 media members at one of their training, uh, one of their OTAs. Wow. And it's like, we've never had this many people coming for an OTA. What is it going to be like for training camp? So just to add the element of a hard match just, just makes it more significant. So I think that's their vantage point of it. But the idea of it being a distraction, the hard knocks crew, I mean, they've been good people. They, they don't, you know, get in the way of stuff. They're just there video videotaping, and they kind of make it clear before they go in, just make believe we're not here. And, of course, like I told you before, the team has the right to tell them, hey, don't put this in there. What? Uh, for, so your gut feeling, who do you think is going to end up on Hard Knocks this year? If I had a guess right now, I would probably lean towards Washington. Okay. I, I just think that – I think the new ownership would want it to mm-hmm. be there and just to show, hey, we have new people here. It's not what it once was. Let's show off what we have over here. And like I said before, there are good stories there, and 
The other three teams have kind of publicly said they don't want to be on it. Washington really hasn't said anything yet, so maybe they're just waiting for the ownership to become approved later this month, and then they'll announce it. It'll be the latest they've ever announced it, but there has to be a reason why they haven't done anything up until now, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I do think that if any team needs some kind of uh, you know peek behind the scenes and maybe even a little bit of, hey, here's some good publicity for the team as opposed to all the negative headlines, it would be the Washington Commanders, so that makes a lot of sense. Again, Ari Mayrod from the 33rd is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now, you put out a piece uh, not too long ago about the running back position and it's so good and the timing is great because we are paying attention to that July 17th deadline when that long-term deal has to get done for guys like Josh Jacobs and also Saquon Barkley and it's just basically your piece was the running back position is still important it's just the approach is different now from teams so I mean at at what point do you think that maybe these running backs can get what I guess they deserve maybe that's a tough word to use deserve but it feels like they're not getting what they deserve right now. Yeah, it's a very, very difficult time to be a running back, um, let alone a, a really good running back like Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley, where it's not like it once was. I mean, if you look at just the overall running back market, we see every offseason how every other position continues to reset, like the quarterback market, the receiver market, the um, offensive tackle market, the pass rush market. The running back market really hasn't moved since 2020. We're here in 2023. Well, that was... Um, the Christian McCaffrey deal, which is still number one. And actually, the top five running back deals entering this offseason were all signed 2020 or prior. So it's really not moving at all. So these running backs who, you know, run the ball, catch the ball, pass block, do um, basically everything, take on the most punishment, they're looking around and they're like, these teams are taking advantage of us. And it's a difficult thing because if you look at the current CBA, these teams really could just, sit on you for the first four years of your rookie contract, then if you weren't a first-round pick, then tag you for two more and basically control you for six years. And we're seeing Saquon go through that right now. He played five years as the Giants and is right now entering a situation where he might have to do a sixth on the franchise tag. Jacobs, of course, had a fifth-year option decline, so he's played four years and right now is looking at playing a fifth-year of the franchise tag. And it's difficult to really find a real solution. The problem with the running back deals right now, and it's really with Saquon, not really with Josh, is that the structure of the contracts that are being offered does not give them protection. That's really the problem that they're having. And they're looking for real full guarantees going into the second year. And in Saquon's case, he hasn't been getting that. In Josh's case, I really haven't gotten the sense that they've been negotiating um, that much to this point or to get to the the serious nature of discussion. And that's really why it's complicated. But like I mentioned in the article um, that you you mentioned before, there are running backs coming into the league every year who are drafted outside of the first round who are quickly producing. And if you look at um, the one from last year, I mean, you have guys like Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, James Cook, Tyler Algier, Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh-round pick and was a crucial part for the Chiefs Super Bowl team. Jalen Warren was undrafted for the Steelers and at points last year looked better than Najee Harris. And all these guys are making about $2 million or less on average on their rookie contract. So these teams have realized there's really no real reason to pay $10-plus million for a running back while we could draft somebody. He might not give us that same production as a star-level running back, but we're saving so much money we're able to put it into other positions. The last thing I'll probably say about this, and I talked to Joe Banner, the former Eagles president, about this topic, and he makes a good point. A team could lose two or three running backs throughout the course of the season and still be perfectly fine. You can't say that about any other position. You can't lose 
two or three guards and still be fine on the offensive line. Eventually, it's going to hurt you. The running back position has proven over the last couple of years. You can lose guys and still be good with that position. That's a great point. That's a fantastic point right there from Joe Banner and obviously heard right here with my man Ari Mayrov from the33team.com. So I asked you this, and I guess it's easier to ask than it is to answer. What in the world can the running backs do to kind of even the playing field? I mean, I saw one of your points where, where someone suggested maybe make them eligible after two years to get a contract extension, but the CBA is not up till 2030. Exactly. I mean, and, and if, if Saquon, uh, well, a few weeks ago, he had his, um, his camp for kids and he was asked about it and he, he basically said exactly what you had said. I mean, I'm not going to be playing by the time the next CBA is up, so what can I do about it right now? I mean, it really is an issue that I really don't know if there's anything that could be done right now. I mean, the only thing that I could think of in the last running back who truly put a team in a tough position was Ezekiel Elliott, where his first three years were phenomenal in the league. He basically carried the Cowboys offense and he knew that they needed him badly. And he, if you recall, he literally went to the Bahamas during training camp and did not report and yep. did not talk to the Cowboys. And he knew that Jerry Jones would eventually budge and he was able to secure a six-year, $90 million deal with, like, rolling guarantees. Like, the Cowboys would have loved to cut Ezekiel Elliott last year, mm-hmm. and they couldn't because his contract was really strong. So the only thing that I could really think of is you just do extraordinarily well through the first three years, and then you just really put them in a tough position where the fan base is going crazy, where everyone obviously knows you because of the fantasy football element and all of that, and then you put the team in a tough position. Now, there are other teams and I spoke to Banner about this as well. I didn't put it in the article, but there are other teams that would just say, you know what, we're not taking the bait. We want to see if you'll actually not come when it's actually time for you to show up. Um, he mentioned to me that the Cowboys, for example, um, Zeke knew that Jerry would eventually budge because of how much he loves his running backs and how important that position is to him. So there, it really depends by team probably, but if we're talking about right now what could be done, it's a really tough time for running backs because every single year there are running backs coming in who are producing right away, and it's leaving these guys in a tough position. So unless the union and the league decide to talk about it now and make some drastic changes to the CBA, which, um, again, will be very, very unlikely, um, I just really don't know what it is. Talking all things NFL right now with Ari Mayrov from 33rd here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Looking around the rest of the league, of course, the little dust-up with the Buffalo Bills, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott. That happened back in June. Josh Allen went on the Bustin' with the Boys podcast, said, nothing to see here, everything is good. You guys are talking about it too much. Uh, is there something to pay attention to here in Buffalo, or do you think it is kind of water under the bridge at this point? Well, I understand where Josh is coming from because when that happened, it's really like during this dead portion of the Austin where people are really looking for something to talk about. But the reality is, like, Stefan has done this before, and he did it in Minnesota. And Rick Spielman, who was the GM of the Vikings at the time and now is here with the 3013, he did a great job of making it sound like there's nothing to see here. And he was able to get a really, really strong trade package out of Buffalo when he eventually dealt Stefan Diggs in 2020. But that thing got very serious behind the scenes, and Stefan was throwing a fuss, and he basically um, tweeted his way out of Minnesota. Now, it looks like things have settled down in Buffalo, but you can't just tell me everything will be great. What if, you know, the season starts and the same frustrations once again come up again? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we've seen it happen before in Minnesota. We saw a glimpse of it now happen in Buffalo. And the fact is, Sean McDermott, the Buffalo Bills head coach, is a very measured guy. For him to go up to the podium 
and say what he said that day, that Stefan is not here and that he's frustrated or whatever the word was, that's not him. So clearly something happened there. So I don't even think that we really have the full picture of what happened that day when Stefan showed up to the building and then left. Something happened in between there. So I think it's something to definitely still keep an eye on. I don't think it should be, you know, national headlines every single day. Right. I think is what Josh was trying to make, was trying to say on Buffalo of the Boys, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on throughout the season if Buffalo doesn't have the type of season to start or at some point something happens with that offense. You know, Ken Dorsey was a new offense coordinator last year. He wasn't necessarily what Brian Dable was the year before. So there are things to keep an eye on there in Buffalo. But um, what Josh is probably trying to say is let's not make this into a whole into a whole thing uh, on daily shows. When you look at the AFC conference, I say there's the Chiefs, the Bengals, and then the Buffalo Bills are a distance third. Uh, what is their window as far as you're concerned? What are you looking at for the Bills as we had all the hype and heard all the hype last year that they were going to be that Super Bowl contender and that was their year? Where do you think Buffalo sits right now? Yeah, I don't. I don't agree with the idea that Buffalo is just is just falling off a cliff, and okay. they're not necessarily in that contention in that contention window with everybody else. And, and I know that's not really what you're trying to say. They're they're third right now, but I would just remind everyone how much Buffalo had to go through last year. I mean, starting really in training camp with the supermarket shooting in Buffalo, which they yeah. played a big role that team in just bringing the community back together after all of that. There was the snowstorm which kicked them out of Buffalo. They had to play a game in Detroit. There was obviously the DeMar Hamlin situation, which really was the, the, the cherry on top of a crazy year for them. But Josh Allen had an elbow injury and wasn't the same for a while. Von Miller had his torn ACL. Davis White really wasn't himself throughout the year, even though he came back around Thanksgiving. So that team really had a lot going out, going on throughout the year. And by the time the year ended with that Bengals playoff loss, they were emotionally just worn out. I mean, I really believe that. Mm-hmm. So I think going into this year, they finally have a lot of things behind them. Obviously, the, the Mar Hamlet situation, him being back with the team is, is a miracle on its own. And they've been really hyped about the fact that he's there with them right now. So I think Buffalo is still very much involved and very much um, a team to be a threat in the AFC. The division is definitely much stronger. The conference has never been as competitive as it is right now. Look at all the amazing quarterbacks there. But I feel like we've gotten to this point where a lot of people are going with this narrative where Buffalo isn't what it once was. Mm -hmm. Now I'll just remind everyone, look at what they went through last year, and they're just hoping to have a normal year the way other teams have um, in the past. And if they do have that, I think they're still very much a team to be a threat in the AFC. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. The AFC is a, a heck of a conference. I mean, it really is. Like you mentioned, all the quarterbacks that they have uh, look like they're going to be really good for a very long time. Just got a couple more questions for you. I wanted to take a look at at the top rookie quarterbacks that were drafted. Is there a leader in the clubhouse that you believe is going to be the guy to really help take the, their franchise to the next level? Um. I mean, I think it's probably the obvious answer, but the Bryce Young in Carolina thing is is just, I'm very excited to see how it all unfolds. And particularly because what they did this offseason with their coaching staff, I think um, David Tepper, their owner, realized obviously there's a salary cap on players. There is no salary cap on your coaches. And he really went all out to build really an all-star coaching staff with you know, Frank Reich as the head coach, a former quarterback and offensive coordinator and head coach previously, 
to Josh McCown, who is the quarterback coach now and was somebody who didn't want to take an assistant job, but they brought him in as well. He's a former quarterback who will be in Bryce Young's year. To Jim Caldwell, who publicly said he won't take a job unless it's a head coaching job. All of a sudden, another brilliant offensive line is on the staff. To um, um, Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator, who was a rising star on Sean McVay's staff, and they pulled him away from there and brought him to Carolina as well. So the overall structure of the offensive coaching staff that Bryce Young has around him is really, really good. And then they've kind of built a, a good-looking offense. I mean, the offensive line last year really came together together at the end of last season. Um, they added a bunch of weapons into agency from Miles Sanders, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen. They dropped Jonathan Mingo. They added Hayden Hurston for agency as well. So the pieces are there. So I'm really fascinated by what Bryce Young could do right away in that offense. And Andy Dalton is a quarterback who's been willing to mentor him and take him under his wing as well. So I think the people around Bryce Young right now puts him in a situation where he's kind of ahead of every other quarterback in this draft. That's just the way I look at it. I've never seen a team just spill so many resources into the coaching staff the way the Teppers did this offseason just to put their, their future franchise quarterback in the best possible situation. They made sure they got the number one overall pick because they knew they'll have their own choice at quarterback, and whoever that quarterback is is, is going to be walking into an amazing offensive um, coaching staff room. Who signs their free agent contract deal first, DeAndre Hopkins or Dalvin Cook? And do you have any idea where one of those guys goes? Oh, wow. It's, it's a great question. I, I would probably say Dalvin Cook, um, but um, it really could be either or. I mean, teams are obviously coming back from their vacations right now, getting ready to come back into the offices. But Cook has kind of been um, – he's been flirting around. I know there's been some reports out there that he has a couple of offers down there. I'll definitely keep a nice still on the Jets and the Dolphins there for Cook. The Jets um, are a team that a lot of people have been mentioning, and I do believe that is a, a true thing. For Hopkins, I think he's kind of going to wait for the right offer. And not that Dalvin isn't, but he saw what Odell got coming off an injury, getting $15 million plus incentives. I think he's looking to get at least somewhere near that. I would probably mention as well that these teams are going to be doing some extensions at some point. For example, Chris Jones in Kansas City. Mm. His cap number is close to $30 million. Once they get that extension done, they're going to free up a lot of cap room. So there are going to be some teams that all of a sudden could become players again for some of these teams once those big money deals get done here in the coming weeks. Final question for you. July 17th is the date. We mentioned it already at the top, talking about Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley holding the franchise tag. Uh, do either one of these guys get a long-term deal? Do either one of these guys have to play on the franchise tag? What do you think ultimately happens with Barkley and Jacobs? From the four guys who were tagged, if I was to guess right now, and this is solely a guess, I would expect Saquon to find a way to get done. They're still talking. They've been frustrated at times, but they're really trying to figure it out. I would expect Saquon to get done, Evan Ingram and Jacksonville to find a way to get done, and I would not be surprised at all if Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs end up being forced to play on the tag. There it is right there. Ari Mayroth, 33rdteam.com. Great stuff as always. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for, my man? Yeah, so we actually just finished up all these amazing head coach interviews that we've been doing with the guys over here. We had John Harbaugh, Matt Eberflus, um, Josh McDaniels, the Raiders head coach was on there. Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick was on there and a couple of others. Some great um, insight into not just the way they coach, but really the way they got up to this point in their careers and how they even decided they wanted to be coaching in this league. And from there, we're going to be starting 
um, a lot of different um, fantasy stuff and gambling stuff on the site that has been taking off over the last few weeks. Obviously, it's that time of year right now um, for people in the industry. So take a look at that. And then for me personally, um, obviously, you mentioned the running back piece earlier. That is something that is up on the site right now. We will be doing a couple of deep dives into players who are going to be getting extended this offseason, who will get paid, who might not get paid even though they're eligible right now. So uh, be on the lookout for that one. There you go. Well, I'll tell you right now, man, 33team.com. It's my one-stop shop. I go there all the time. I tell you how great the website is and all the great insight that you guys provide. Thanks so much, Ari. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ari Mayrov right there, 33team.com. I'll tell you, when I say that they're the one-stop shop, they are. All the great contributions that they have, all the great contributors that they have, they do a fantastic job. And you can find Ari on Twitter, at my sports update. 320 is the time. Uh, we want to hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword r When it comes to Josh Jacobs and the contract situation, what do you think would be the smartest move for the Raiders to make? when they approach the situation again 11 days out from that July 17th deadline day. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Same formation as first down, second and goal from the one. Snap, give to Josh again, off the right side, has some room, squeezes in. Touchdown Raiders! An opening drive, 75-yard push, and Jacobs caps it off with a one-yard dive through the right side, and it's 6-0 Las Vegas. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Got a conversation about the Raiders defensive line coming up about 4 o'clock. We'll also hear from Kurt Heelan from NBCSports.com. We'll talk all things NBA. That'll be at 4.30 as Summer League gets underway tomorrow. Cannot wait. Had a lot of good friends in, uh, and, and, and just friends in general, you know, colleagues coming to town excited about summer league and so we'll probably have a few in studio i'm sure this show will be generated from the thomas and mac a few times also our sister station espn las vegas co-filling company they'll be generated from the thomas and mac as well exciting times summer league here in las vegas so at 4 30 we'll do that cover three is nfl news and notes of the day coming up a little bit around 3 30 but you heard of josh jacobs uh highlight right there jason horowitz on the call and we've been talking a lot about josh jacobs and his contract situation as we know he's 11 days away from that deadline date july 17th so the question i threw out there to you what do you think would be the smartest move for the raiders to make when approaching that contract situation and why rich in oakland said keep jacobs on a franchise tag then let him go Paying run, running backs is never going to win you a championship. Look at the list. Look at the list of the last ten Super Bowl champions. No franchise running back, and that kind of goes along with this uh, tweet that we received from Javante. He said, "Q, bad business is signing a running back to a long-term contract. At no point in the past five years has it worked out for any team paying a running back." top dollar. That's from Javante, and of course uh, got that text from Rich in Oakland, but we want to hear from you as well. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187 keyword r Let's go talk to our good friend Raider Mac. Welcome to the show, Mac. It's been a minute. What's on your mind? Hey, what's up QQ? I'm trying to recover from vacation, man. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm waking up at 4 o'clock. I'm got jet lag, man. It's just, <laughs> it's just horrible. I don't know when you came back from Hawaii. I know it was a time difference, but you got, you gained when you came back. So I, you know, I, hopefully you dealing it better than I'm, I'm doing, man. First of all, Q, all these people talking about this, the running back hasn't done anything in the Super Bowls and all that other is ridiculous. You know what? Here's the biggest issue with Josh Jacobs to me. He's not a franchise running back. He's a great, 
he's between great and I mean he's between good and great running back. I would pay him. The reason why is because he brings a different mentality to that toughness to that Raider locker room. The year Emmitt Smith held out with the Cowboys Q, Dallas went 0 and 2 the first yeah. two games. Yeah, they did. But it wasn't about the, the losses, it was the toughness that he brought to the team. And sometimes people are overlooking the, the, the mentality. You take Draymond Green off the Golden State Warriors, they're not the same team. They're not. You've got to have some kind of toughness. And I think that's what you meant. That's what we missing. Now, Q, I was going to ask you. Now, is he going to be fined fifty thousand uh, dollars a day if he doesn't show up? No, no, he's not going to get fined anything because he hasn't signed his contract. So he's currently a man without a contract. Right, but I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, once the deadline passes, there's no, 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 no fee or he, nope. so he's not going to get fined nothing. He'll okay, get fined nothing as long as he doesn't sign his deal. Okay, and, and Q also, I think the Raiders need to implement wide receiver Trey Tucker into the offense this year. Okay. I'm telling you, this kid from, this, this kid is, is, is good, man. You got to go back and watch his college highlights. I think he came out of, what is it, Cincinnati? Yep, or Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yep. Q, we got to put him in the offense. At least let him return kicks or something and get um, – you know how you feel and I feel about mm-hmm. the um, return game. It, 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 it has – the last – what was it, Jacoby Ford? Yep. <laughs> yes, sir. So, so Q, I, and I'll let you go on this. I'm, my biggest thing with Josh Jacobs, he brings a different mentality to that locker room. I know people said don't pay running backs and don't do this, but Emmitt Smith, different guys like that, and I'm not putting him in the same category as Emmitt Smith, but his mentality, Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs runs so hard, and it makes other guys want to play hard. So I'll leave you on that, Q. That's just me. Hey, great call, Raider Mac. Hey, welcome back from vacation, man. Hopefully you're uh, doing okay. I know that the jet lag is, is a real thing, but, uh, again, I'm glad you uh, had a chance to get a little vacation, get away a little bit, a little R&R. And, yeah, I mean, that's something too, right? I mean, I say it all the time as a Warrior fan. You take Draymond Green off the Warriors. They're not the same team. Steph Clay is there, great. But Draymond brings a little bit of toughness, as Raider Mac said. Emmett Smith, I remember that like it was yesterday, right? Held out. Missed the first two games. They took L's, right? He came back. All was good. Won the Super Bowl, right? I mean, it's just – I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen with J.J., and I don't think Raider Mack, and I know I'm not. He's comparing him to Emmitt Smith. Of course, he's the all-time leading rusher. But you understand what he's saying. I mean, he is a key cog in, in this mix. So uh, that's why it's, it's difficult to decide – how you approach this situation because, again, you know what he means to the team, but you also know the economics of it, of what a running back means in the league and what they are right now and how they're valued. And it's just, as everyone has mentioned, it's unfortunate the position that they're in. Let's take another call, 702-365-9200. Who's up, Ari? Mitch from Jersey. Mitch, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Mitch? Oh, what's on my mind? How you doing, Q? How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. Feels like a Tuesday. I love that. that. Middle of the day off in the middle of the week. I got my vacation at the end of August. Uh, maybe a little while ago, but uh, I'm having a nice time. My grandson he turns one next Tuesday, a week after July 4th. Nice. He's going to be a big boy. I'm hoping to be as big as Adam Dunn. And you know how you know he's sports. He was a good ball player. Yeah. The whole thing. Yep. Anyway, sign Josh Jacobs. You have another, I think you have a good uh, young running back in white. Share the load. You know, you know so you, his career lasts longer. But don't let him go. You never know what might happen. Uh, what's there, a bird in your nest? I said, guys, you have a good running back, one of the best, top five, you sign a long deal. Gotcha. 
Gotcha, Mitch. Thanks so much for the call. Appreciate you, man, and happy early birthday to your grandson. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, going to be a big boy and already going to be one. Man, I remember when you were calling in, talking about he was just being born. Man, that flies. A year has gone by that quickly. Thanks so much. Again, another call for pay the man. He's, he's, he's worth what he is to the Raiders organization. Trey and KC hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R, in response to Raider Max call. Emmett Smith, bruh. That was 30 years ago. The league has changed. They can't pay a running back. Hell, we don't even have a quarterback. That's Trey and KC. Again, the economics of it. And like Trey said, the league has changed, right? There is no more Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders and Eric Dickerson and Marcus Allen and all the, the lead dog backs, right? There's just There isn't that. Nine times out of ten across the league, you see what? You see running back by committee. That workhorse guy is just not there anymore. And it stinks, I Man, I'm a big fan of the running back position. I could never play it, but I always am a fan of it just because it's such a hard-hitting, physical position. And if you have a really good one, man, you have a really good one. And I mean, I just remember highlights on top of highlights on top of highlights in my head of running backs just having their way with opposing teams. And it's almost like when back in the day when you were a kid and you were playing flag football in the street or you're playing tag football in the street, everyone but Ari, he's not an athlete, so he didn't do that. But everyone else played tag, and it's like you get the ball and you're starting to move and, you know, you juke your friend out of their shorts and they can't even touch you. Like, that's the beauty of it, man. That's what the running back position kind of reminds me of, except for in the NFL, you can run them cats over. It's even better. I love it. So, uh, yeah, Trey brings up a great point. The league has changed, and the value of that position has changed in a major way. You know, going back to what Ari Mayrov had to say when he joined us at the top of the show or top of the hour, supply and demand. Supply and demand, right? Every year there's a plethora of running backs where you can get one in the first round and you can get one in the seventh round. Could you imagine if that was the quarterback position where every year there was just a, a boatload of quarterbacks that were damn good? Wouldn't have no problems. They wouldn't be paying guys $45 million a year. They'd be like, oh, hell no. Nah. Just go ahead and let that guy go. Right, You get a quarterback that's halfway decent, you're like, man, hold on tight. Can't let that guy go. Imagine what life is. Remember how, how celebrated Blake Bortles was? Because he was worth half a salt? Not even a whole salt. He was worth half a salt. And it's like, oh, man, that's a pretty good quarterback. No, not really. But that's how desperate they are. Can you imagine if the quarterbacks were entering the league like running backs are entering the league? You imagine someone saying at one time, and maybe somewhere down the line, like when I'm way long gone, I'm fertilizer somewhere, maybe sometimes someone will say, oh, it's all good. You can get a quarterback in the seventh round. You can get a quarterback later. It ain't a big deal. Could you imagine how that would be, what that conversation would be like? I, and, and this is the nah. sickness I have, Ari, this is the sickness I have. I fell into a rabbit hole earlier where I actually looked at a 2024 mock draft, <laughs> which is sick. I know. It's July. I know. Of 2023, if I, I make know. that distinction. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Wow. I know. <laughs> like, I know that's a, that's a problem. I have a problem. But I looked at it because there was uh, somebody was trying to make a point. And so I was like, well, I'll just check it out just to see, just for S's and giggles, right? And Caleb Williams went number one, and Drake May went number three overall. Caleb Williams went to, and I forget what team it was, but it wasn't the Raiders. So I was like, okay. Uh, who, oh, it was the Rams. He, he, was, he was selected by the Rams, and the Raiders got Drake May at number three. Do you know there was only one more quarterback even mocked in that first round? We keep hearing the conversations about, you know what, the quarterbacks in this draft weren't that good, but they'll be there next year. They'll be really good. And look, again, it's July, right? Somebody will obviously show up and be, be that dude throughout the course of the season, and, and they'll get slotted in there. But it's so funny, just looking at, looking at the early projections, there was only three quarterbacks even slotted in the first round, it was number one overall, 
number three overall, and like number 27 overall. And that was it. The rest were offensive linemen, wide receivers, edge rushers, no running backs, right? I mean, it's just and, – and so that's what got me just thinking about the, the supply and the demand part of it, that like two quarterbacks. And remember, what, not this past draft, but the year before, there was one quarterback taken, Kenny Pickett. And I still don't know if he's worth the salt, <laughs> right? I mean, that's – think about it. Think how difficult it is to find a guy that you hope is okay. Like Will Levis. I was never a fan of Will Levis. He went in the second round of Tennessee. Maybe he'll be okay. Maybe he won't. I mean, they literally took Anthony Richardson, who I was I became a fan of. He only played 13 games in college. But that's how desperate the Colts were for a quarterback that they were like, yeah, we'll take a chance. He's athletic. Cool. Trey Lance, he's played as many games in the league as me. Okay, he's played a couple more. But still, you get the point. Like, the supply and the demand is just not the same. Running backs are running backs. You unfortunately, and I hate to say this, I don't want to sound disrespectful, you can find one. You need one, you can get one. Quarterbacks, not so much. There's a reason why Sam Darnold's still in the league. There's a reason why Andy Dalton's still in the league. There's a reason why guys that ain't worth a damn are still in the league. Because they were halfway decent at one point in their career. Baker. Right, Baker Mayfield. He's on what, team 18? Yep. I mean, really. That's the reality of it. It's a harsh reality, but it is the reality. So we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Of course, dumbybroke.com, text line 69187, keyword r Got a couple more that I wanted to get to real quick. How about Jim from Yonkers? He said, I'll take another approach. Does Josh really think the Raiders are going to win? I think this could be more of an issue than what we think it is, and just not money. Thank you, as always, for a great show. It's hot in NY. That's Jim from Yonkers. I hadn't thought about it in that point of view. And I like that text, so thank you so much for that. And the reason why I really like that text is because I remember at the Pro Bowl during the the media sessions, I remember heading from the barbershop straight to Allegiant Stadium to go and, and, you know, do a couple of the interviews. And I remember standing there with Adam Hill and Jesse Merrick and a couple others, right, here locally. And we were talking to Josh Jacobs. uh, Tashawn Reed was one of them. And we're talking to Josh, and they were talking about, as a matter of fact, Tashawn asked him, are you okay with playing on the franchise tag this year? And that's when he said hero turned villain. And then he said, but I wouldn't mind playing on the franchise tag if you, if you use the money to build up the team. Bring in a really good quarterback. And he said there was about three quarterbacks that the team was looking at. And Tom Brady, at, in his words, was not one of them. That was like a case of emergency break glass plan. So he was, said there was like three quarterbacks that they were looking at. He said if they are building up the team, if they're using that money to build up the team, he wouldn't mind playing on the franchise tag. So going back to Jim from Yonkers text, maybe he looks at the team right now and is like, yeah, not so much. I'm going to have to do all the work. Again. And also, to add to his point, where's Jimmy G in this whole equation? That, right. That's got to be a factor, too. No, it, it does. And so the, the thing that's about it is, you know, and he even doubled down at the Super Bowl. I remember seeing him there when he, he was receiving his reward for leading the league in rushing. And, again, he said, you know, if the team is built up, if you're going to use the money to go out and, and, and build the team and try to win, then, yeah. If not, his words, not mine, shh, then pay me. Right? I mean, that was, that was it. So, again, going back to Jim's text, that could be part of this equation that we're not really thinking about. We're just thinking of the economic side of things, and we're looking at the calendar and saying, okay, there's 11 days from now before they got to get this deal done. And maybe he's like, yeah, this team ain't going to be worth the salt. Just go ahead and run me my money. Imagine he has an even better year this year, too, like just crushes last year, which would be quite a feat. Right. And what, they go 
six, seven, what is it? The over is six, whatever. Yeah, it was. Six, se- I think seven and a half. Yeah, and then he's stuck on the contract. I get that. That's a good point. No, he, he does he does bring up a good point. So know thank your you. worth. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's something to that, right? Like, if you're going to be on a team that ain't going to be worth a damn, you might as well be the guy that's well paid. <laughs> you know, might as well be the guy that's well off. Hey, man, you know what? We ain't going to be that good, but we're going to go ahead and throw you a boatload of money. I mean, that's, you know, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I'm a big dummy. Like, I've unfortunately never done anything for money. I've never, you know, just been like, oh, man, I got to, you know, just pay me, pay me, do this and that. I, I would be the worst free agent ever. I would. I say it all the time. I'd be the worst free agent. If they're like, hey, Q, here's your contract. Cool. That's, that's why these guys have agents. <laughs> guys like me, they're like, hey, stay as far away from this negotiation as possible because you are terrible. Oh, yeah. I'm Man, <laughs> I get excited. Hey, man, these guys want to give me a job. I'm cool. <laughs> I'll go ahead and take it. It's the reason why I got 12 jobs now. Let's see. We got another text real quick. Uh, Sir Whiskey Ray, Q, I hope Jacobs will be in camp on time with a three-year extension by our front office. It ain't my money, so pay him. LOL. Cheers. Which, yeah, it's easy for us to say. Right. But, uh, you know, as we had uh, Brad Spielberger on from Pro Football Focus and he was talking about, you know, the three year kind of window for all the teams across the league and the Raiders are ranked 31st. Right. They have the fifth oldest roster right now. They don't have a whole lot of salary cap space. Now, of course, they can move some things around, but a lot of youth are not being used. You know, a lot of the guys that they drafted aren't being used. So right now their salary cap, the way that they've constructed their their team it's almost like they're in a win-now mode, but then you still have questions are if they're in the win-now mode or not. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to throw someone else's money around, but, uh, yeah, I just don't think that – I don't think that, uh, that that's going to be the case. Just go ahead and give them a three-year deal and just say, hey, yeah, go for it. Uh, make it happen. Uh, let's see. We got one more I thought I saw. Da, 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 da. Maybe not. All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, yeah, you can keep those calls and texts coming at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text side at 69187, keyword r Let's go ahead and jump into some NFL news and notes of the day. Let's go ahead and jump into Cover 3. It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Funny, I got a couple little nuggets that I wanted to pass along. Just mention Andy Dalton. He's probably got his ears are ringing right now because I was going to bring him up during Cover 3. He said that he's still one of the best 32. Now, currently he's a backup in Carolina, but he did say that he views himself as an NFL starter despite being the, the backup to Bryce Young right now in Carolina. He said, I don't think... There are 32 guys better than me. As soon as I don't think I'm one of the best 32 or a little bit lower, I'll be watching football on TV. That's Andy Dalton. And I'll argue and say I thought that Andy Dalton hasn't been one of the best 32 for a while, right? I'll say that for a while. Uh, I think Cincinnati realized who exactly he was when they decided to move on from him, and then since then he's been a journeyman. Right, he went to what Dallas, hung around there for a while. Went to New Orleans, hung out there for a little while. He's in Carolina right now. I just don't see a whole lot of anything. I think you kind of know who Andy Dalton is, but going back to the conversation we were just having about supply and demand, guys like that hang around the league because what? There's not a lot of dudes that are competent at that position right now. So if you're a backup and you can study and you can be ready just to case, Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer, right? I mean, look, he's been around for a long time and he said it. Like, hey, man, you know, I kind of know what, what my job is, but I'll, my job is also to be ready if, if called upon. And so guys that are do that, hats off to them. But, again, they kind of know who they are. And Brian Hoyer is not a guy that I would look at week one and say, hey, yeah, I think that guy's going to navigate through 18 weeks and going to lead the Raiders to the, the, the playoffs. No, but if he had to go in there for a spot start here and there, he, he's a guy that can manage it because he's not, you know, 
he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a veteran. He's been there, done that. Let's put it like that. So he knows what he's doing. But, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting when uh, Andy Dalton said that uh, he doesn't think that uh, he's, he's not one of the best 32 or one of the top 32. But yet he's a backup right now to a rookie in Bryce Young, who the Carolina Panthers selected number one overall. Speaking of quarterback, let's stick with that position. How about the situation in San Francisco? This, is, this to me, is odd. I don't know, and this is just my gut feeling, I don't know how Brock Purdy comes back and is, is ready week one. I really don't. But they all reports are saying he remains on track in rehab and is expected to be the starter if fully healthy. He'll likely be brought along slow in early camp. Any setback could open the door for Trey Lance or Sam Darnold. First of all, Sam Darnold... I already know who he is, right? I think we already know who he is. He flamed out in New York. He flamed out in Carolina. He is a glorified backup and probably a number three right now in San Francisco, right? Brock Purdy, a seventh-round pick, is is the projected starter, if healthy. Trey Lance, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with him. Nobody knows who he is, right? Even coming out of college, nobody knew who he was, right? But they thought, okay, he's got a lot of upside. They gave up everything. They gave up a lot of, of draft capital to move up and go get him, and he hasn't done anything. So it's funny, as we've talked about it, we talked about quite a bit leading up to the draft, uh, what it would take for the Raiders to trade up and go, you know, go get their guy, maybe a Bryce Young, maybe a C.J. Stroud, maybe Anthony Richardson, or maybe Will Levitz if they're interested in him. Maybe, you know, what it would take to go get him. Just because you go and make that move, you give up all that draft capital, don't mean that guy's going to be the guy either. Trey Lance, there's so many questions about him. So right now they're saying Brock Purdy's on track to be the starter, but they do say if healthy. So... We'll see about that. I, I don't know if uh, if he's going to be ready. I just I find that hard to believe that he could have elbow surgery and he's going to all of a sudden be ready to go week one. But again, that's just me. My final nugget for Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day is about the supplemental draft. Two guys are eligible to be in the supplemental draft. Uh, Jackson State wide receiver Malachi Weidman and Purdue wide receiver Milton Wright. And so Weidman, really strange season for him. Three catches, 49 yards, a touchdown in 2022. 2021, 34 catches, 540 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Two things don't look the same here, Ari. (laughs) Right? 2021, really good season. 2022, not so much. They say he began his college career at the University of Tennessee in 2020, but then transferred to Jackson State. Uh, his contributions helped the Tigers finish 2021 with an 11-2 record. He's six foot five, and his best collegiate career by uh, notching 34 passes, 540 yards, and 12 touchdowns came in 2021. He is a two-star athlete when it comes to football and also basketball. Then you look at Purdue wide receiver Milton Wright. He caught 99, 99 passes for 1,325 yards and 10 TDs while in his career, three years at Purdue, averaging 13.4 yards per catch, made his biggest impact on the program last season when he had 57 catches, 732 yards, and seven TDs. So there you go. Purdue wide receiver. Anybody know a Purdue quarterback? Anybody know a Purdue quarterback? Okay, you do? Oh, Aiden O'Connell, got you. All right, the fourth-round pick from the Raiders. Look, I don't think the Raiders are going to make a move for Milton Wright. They don't need any more wide receivers in the wide receiver room. They've got plenty. But it does make me think when I think of the supplemental draft, this will be the first one since 2019. It makes me go back to when the the Raiders grabbed uh, Terrell Pryor and gave up a third-round pick for him. I was so excited about that selection of Terrell Pryor. I was like, man, he's going to be the dude. He's going to be the guy. Yeah, not so much. So any team selected a player in the supplemental draft would have to give up the corresponding pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. So this is the first one that's going to be taking place since 2019. 347 is the time. Let's look for caller number nine real quick, man. 702-365-9200. I'd like to scatter shoot a little bit. We're going to get you into win 
the end to win, right? We're going to get you registered to win four tickets to an Aviators game. This is not giving you Aviators game tickets right now. It's getting you registered for four tickets to go to the Aviators game. And that, when you win that, will give you an opportunity for the four nights in New York City, a Broadway show, and $1,000 spending money. Or you could take the cash. Take the trip. Or take the cash. It's all part of the Lotus Summer of Fun. Call number nine is your first step. 702-365-9200. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll talk about the Raiders' defensive line. A little bit of conversation. I heard a little something-something this morning on the morning tailgate. Case Kiefer was part of the show and said something about the Raiders' defensive line that stood out to me. And the defense in general, when it came to generating sacks, and that's something that they've got to do a better job of, clearly, in 2023 if they want to help the defense get better. So we'll get into that conversation coming up at 4. Don't forget, Kurt Heelan, NBCSports.com, talking all things NBA, including Summer League, NBA Free Agency, Dame Lillard, and a lot more coming up at 4.30. But uh, right now, we've been deep diving into this conversation about the running back position and Josh Jacob in particular. Uh, what the Raiders are going to do is he's holding the franchise tag and has not signed it yet, so he's a man without a contract. So right now he can occur no fines whatsoever. Training camp comes, no fines whatsoever. Regular season comes, no fines whatsoever. As long as he doesn't sign on the dotted line on that contract, he can get no fines. So he don't. I've heard some, you know, some conversation and some misinformation out there, and I want to make sure that the information is correct. As long as he doesn't sign that contract, he does not have to be at camp. Mandatory minicamp, as that's already passed. Training camp, nothing until he signs that contract. We got a text from the 209, the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r I just don't see the Raiders not being good, Q, or am I blind? I see the defense taking a big leap forward, especially with the pieces that were added, and I see the offense playing at fast pace, picking up 10 yards here and there with the quickness. We have a lot of players that can get the yards after catch. Secure Jacobs. That's from the 209. And, you know, I look at the Raiders' offense, and I, I could see where – everyone could be excited by it, right? If everything goes the right way. And, you know, it's, it's just the, 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 the reality is you've got to see what happens with the quarterback position and if he's available. If Jimmy G is available, then all things could be a go. I think he's going to do some really good things. As you mentioned, I think he's going to get the ball out of his hands really quickly, and they might get up and down the field methodically, but they're going to get up and down the field. I think Devontae Adams is going to have a fantastic season. It's not going to be the same way he goes about getting 1,500 yards like he did last year, but I see him being in in line to get something like that. I think there's an upgrade at the number two wide receiver position with Jacoby Myers as opposed to Mac Hollins. No disrespect to him, but he became the de facto number two. Obviously, Darren Waller is no longer in the mix, but you have Michael Mayer, who you think that is going to be a really good tight end. Of course, he's a rookie, but I think he'll thrive in the red zone. Hunter Renfro, you know what he's able to do. Uh, you know, we had uh, Raider Matt call in earlier and say get Trey Tucker involved in the offense. I could see him being involved in the offense with his speed. Uh, and, of course, as you mentioned, secure Josh Jacobs, him being in the mix is major as well. I, th- I do believe, and, and I'll believe it until I see it, that I think that, you know, it's going to be running back by committee. I think Zamir White's going to get much more burn this year than he got a year ago. But we'll see, right? So I can see the offense being really good. The big question, going back to your text, saying I can see the defense taking a big leap forward. Got to see the defense come together. The defense has got to be able to gel, and you wonder how quickly they can gel. They did bring in a lot of pieces, a lot of young guys, and also some free agents. Drafted them, and, and as I mentioned, signed free agents. So how quickly can they come together? I feel like Max Crosby, you know what he's going to give you. You're going to get double-digit sacks. Chandler Jones, I feel like you know what he's going to give you, which is anywhere from like five to seven sacks, right? And that's just the reality of it. That's what I think he'll do, about five to seven sacks, probably at, at, at best. 
Tyree Wilson, young dude, you don't know. A lot of youth on that defense. If they can come together, then as you mentioned, this team could be really good. 355 is the time. We'd love to hear from you. 702-365-9200 and 69187, keyword R&R. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.